Welcome to the Way to Wellbeing podcast, where we explore a structured approach to well-being through the cultivation of mindfulness. This is Matthew Aldrich, and I'm a mindfulness student. And this is Barbara Newell. I'm a mindfulness teacher. So in our last episode, we talked about the theme of reconnect and recharge, and we noticed that there was still a lot more that was coming up for us that we that we were talking about with each other and that we wanted to share in the podcast. And I thought I would just begin today because I often find some fresh inspiration right before we we do our our recording together. Mm-hmm. And this time it was just the day before yesterday I saw that the governor of the state of Michigan, which is where we live and do this podcast, uh, had just issued a, a news release about a partnership between the state of Michigan and a very popular, well-known, and very well-developed mindfulness app. And I was really excited about that because Michigan has been going through a pretty difficult time lately, and there's been some controversy over uh, measures that have been enacted to keep people safe and, and the corresponding costs that that imposes on the economy and people's regular routines. And I was happy because this move uh, for the state at the governor level, the head of the state of Michigan, to announce this partnership at a very sensitive time with a mindfulness app really underscores for me that there's a greatly increasing recognition in our society that mental and emotional well-being mm-hmm. is at least as important to our overall quality of life as our physical health and well-being definitely and that there are concrete secular practices even if they may have they may have a long history in 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 a buddhist tradition there are also of course other meditations and other spiritual and religious traditions but that it at its essence mindfulness doesn't need to be part of any religious tradition, it can be practiced in a completely secular way or anywhere along that spectrum that a person wishes. And that there is science. There are now thousands of scientific studies establishing the benefits of mindfulness practice. And so this felt like a, a very clear recognition at a really important and, and, and difficult time in the state that mindfulness can be of real benefit. Mm-hmm. And um, the the scientific underpinnings and confirmations of the benefits of mindfulness are well uh, are well explored and described on that website, which is called Headspace, Headspace dot com. And one of the practices uh, that they that they include on that website and that they include scientific support for is the practice of cultivating gratitude mm-hmm. and turning toward what is nourishing us and really taking in, soaking in the good things. Um, so Matthew, we were just talking and I wanted to ask if you would talk a little bit more about both your own personal experience and experiences that you've seen with friends about being in that state where it's really difficult to see any good and, Mm. and how can we work with that? Yeah. And obviously because of the tough times, people, are in, in a way a bit stuck on what we've talked about previously, that negative bias. They're, they're seeing all the negatives and they're ruminating and spiraling. 
Uh, and very often it's leading to depression. And I think I've mentioned previously that I've, I've had personally have had challenges with depression. Um, and there's been a couple instances with my friends where I've kind of made that note. Hey, it sounds like you're depressed. Um, and it also sounds like you're ruminating and spiraling and making it worse. And one of the things that I brought up, uh, and I would just recommend for those that are listening is if you do find yourself kind of ruminating on the negatives and spiraling and it's just getting hung up, that may be a sign that you are depressed. And there are tools uh, that can help you evaluate where you're at. And I do want to point that out. Uh, so you can go to psychology-tools.com. They have a number of tests. These are all standardized uh, tests um, that are, can be very valuable. The one that I would recommend that I have used is the major depression inventory. Uh, it's a really quick test to evaluate kind of where you're at. Uh, if you score above a, a 20, that means um, you at least have mild depression. The higher the score moves into moderate and severe. Um, but I think what's most important is if uh, you do find that you're kind of ruminating on the negative, there are a couple kind of key things that you can do that are well-proven to help kind of shift or pivot. And the two things that I want to um, focus on are socialization uh, and then finding activities that bring you joy. So one of the, the key things that we do know is increasing socialization helps immensely um, with kind of pulling yourself out of that kind of spiral of, of depression. Uh, and socializing can be a number of different forms, obviously. I mean, right now, it may be difficult to actually physically socialize, um, but it's a matter of calling. It's really a matter of reaching out to others. And the challenge when you're depressed is that very much you have this negative attitude towards uh, the outcome of socialization. So in other words, we have, the, again, what we've talked about previously is negative bias. So if we think, okay, well, I'm going to call my mom uh, or think about calling my mom, but I automatically go to this idea that, oh, yeah, you know what? She's not going to have anything good to say. It's just not going to be pleasant. And I just don't do it. I might bring her down. I, I, often it's that we think we're going to make the other person that's actually a really good point. Less because happy by I've being had, with them. Yeah, yeah. I, I've you know I've had a friend who's actually said, "Well, you don't want to hear all this stuff I have to say, um, all these negative things." And I was like, "Yeah, I do." But at the same time, like you know, with socialization, really the 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 point here is that you kind of have to push yourself beyond the negative perspective because what we've found very often and, and this is a good experiment for you to do is like think about those um that kind of so, uh, so resistance to socialize uh and take that activity that you weren't going to do and kind of force yourself to do it i know it's hard but push yourself to do it and you know obviously make a note of those expectations before and then after you've done it go back and relook and see 
how the actual event compared to the expectations. And journaling that down is key. And so, again, just write it down before you do the social activity. And then after you've done it, come back, read it, and see see how it compared. And most often what you're going to find is that our expectations were far worse than what it actually ended up being. And so that's one of the key things here is, is that we're, we're pushing ourselves and the very act of socializing will help. It's very well proven. So we have to reconnect. So it's one of the key things. Um, and then the recharging, the activities, is finding those activities which bring us joy. Very often when we're depressed, we just we shut down. We stop doing those things that we – and very often we forget what brought us joy. But it's still there. And I remember – I'll give you a personal example. Um, I was severely depressed at a, a point in time, and I remember um, experiencing this perspective of, of – nothing would bring me joy. And one of the key things that I know brings me joy is photography. And it was like, it, at that point in time, it was like, no, I'm not interested at all in it. It was like, nope, that, that's just not, not going to be fun. And, and the interesting thing about it is if you can push yourself beyond it and actually engage if you know for one and you remember that it brings you joy the key point here is go do it just go out and do it um it's hard right it is hard but what you'll find and you can do it little by little um is if you do those things and slowly you'll find you'll work yourself out of that spiraling down and it, it takes time. Um, but again, think about and journal down your thoughts about it beforehand and then afterwards how you felt. Um, and that's what's key is because very often what we know from a scientific perspective is that our mind in a way, and we, we know this from mindfulness too, is our mind um, kind of has certain expectations going in and uh, about outcomes um, and certain biases, and very often those aren't true. And so we we have to kind of focus on the things and take the learnings of others and and start to institute those things to to help kind of um, again reconnect and recharge. Um, one of the other things in, in terms of the activities that people often mention is because they're like, well, I don't really have anything that I find that's fun. And you like, they'll, they'll point to me and they'll say, you always have photography. And I'm like, you know, I've had a lot of things I've tried in life. Uh, and the key thing is um, you have to try it and just keep trying. And our expectations, and I can give you a list. I actually had a list when I was young. Let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and some of it's kind of interesting. Um, so photography I, I, was something at a very young age um, that I got into. But there were periods of time in my life where I moved away from it and then I came back. Um, and it, it's evolved over time. But that there were other things um, that interested me uh, so um like sailing um motorcycles uh skydiving 
um, travel. And so when I was younger, these were things that kind of popped in my head that, oh, that looks like it would be fun. I've tried every one of them. Um, and I, I actually have a list of those things that I've kind of checked off. And it wasn't, and I want to make this very clear, it wasn't because I just had to do it or that was a thing to do. It was like it genuinely interests me. And I will tell you, certain things didn't work out. Like skydiving? Nope. <laughs> uh, it, it was not... Uh, as it, it was not something I wanted to continue. Um, motorcycles, I, I got my motorcycle permit and I, I decided it's cool, it's fun, um, but it wasn't what I expected. It, it didn't bring me the kind of joy. Sailing, on the other hand, um, was something I found immense joy in. Um, but it isn't something that I invest a ton of time in. Um, it's, it's something, it's... For one, it's a kind of an expensive hobby, <laughs> but also it's it's one of those things that I enjoy being out on the water. It's uh, it was uh, with nature, the quiet, the serenity, all those types of things. There are aspects of sailing that I really like. There are other aspects I didn't, um, and so it's finding those pieces uh, that work. Um, travel is another one that I did discover I love, um, but certain types of travel i mean and again it took experimentation um i really like going to the countryside of uh, of different countries versus the cities it took me a while to figure that out and again it gets back to that was much more relaxing and so that's what i think you really have to focus on when you try hobbies is how does it make you feel it's not about what do other people think or, oh, yeah, I can brag about it because I did that. it look on my Instagram feed, right? Uh, yeah, that's probably the last thing you want to <laughs> be focused on. Um, it really is about how does it make you feel um, in terms of bringing you that reconnection and recharging. Is it something that enlivens you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's what I think is key. Yeah, and that's I'm, I just wanted to come back to the theme that you touched on, Matthew, which is about the journaling, and that is such a great uh, mindfulness practice. And you gave us a really, a really specific example of how it can help us with, um, with the negative expectations and bias of the mind that we may have before we go and do something and then checking in afterward and often finding out that it actually fed us more than we expected. And people actually seemed happy to be with us. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'd like to touch on also a, a fairly well-known practice, which is the journaling on gratitude. And we've been talking about gratitude and taking in the good. Um, and it it is a very effective practice, and it's so simple. It doesn't take a lot of time. So it can be as as little as at the end of each day. You know, many of us have heard of us or have friends who have done it. We may have done it ourselves. Five things, maybe five things that we're grateful for. And they can be small, they can be the same, they can be many of them the same things that happened yesterday, it doesn't matter, they don't have to be original every time. We do need to really feel the gratitude though as we recall it and write it down. It's also helpful sometimes to put down a few things that we acknowledge about ourselves. if we do have that habit of, I don't know, low self-esteem or down on ourself, to just write down three or five things that we acknowledge ourselves for having done that day. And they can be as small as, 
I smiled at that stranger that I passed in the street, or um, I took the extra couple minutes to brush my teeth instead of just falling into bed like I really wanted to, you know. <laughs> um, but just to, yeah, to appreciate what what nourished us and also to appreciate our own positive actions, helpful actions that we did in the day. And the really great thing that I've observed about that is that not only is it benefiting us as we do it, particularly at the end of the day, it's a really nice way to um, to go into our sleep time with a, a positive or a, a pleasant state of mind. But also as we do that practice, we start to be more aware of those things during the day. Mm-hmm. We start mm-hmm. to we start to have what you could call a positive scanner, a scanner mm, yeah. for scanning the horizon for all the good things that are happening because on some level our mind knows that we, we want to jot it down later. <laughs> and that's a wonderful counterweight to what, what we've been talking about, the negative bias or the tendency, you know, that kind of evolutionary tendency to scan the horizon for what's not okay and what, you know, what could uh, undermine us or what we have to watch out for. So it's it's a really good practice to to see the fuller picture and, and all the nourishing things that we are receiving and also putting out and doing. I mean, you mentioned three to five things to write down in the gratitude journal, but I know even from personal experience that sometimes it's hard to see three or five things to be grateful for um, when you're depressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I would recommend is just try to find one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, can, yeah, go ahead. And what you'll find is if you if and I know it it can be difficult, um, but if you really work hard at it, I think like and I'll give you a, a perfect example because um, I I I have a couple of friends who are depressed and but they're both animal uh, lovers, and it's really easy. If you turn towards that and just be like, oh, I'm grateful for my pet. Yeah. And I would uh, thank you for bringing that up. And I would also add that they can be really small. That's what I was trying to emphasize. And I'll reemphasize it here. I mean, it could be, um, yeah, just how I felt when my puppy uh, greeted me when I walked in the door. That's Mm -hmm. one thing right there. Yeah. So not like a whole huge thing, like I'm grateful for my dog. But I'm grateful for that moment, you know, when I walk Mm. in the door and how the dog is so happy to see me and there's no one else that they're that happy to see. Um, And then another one can be when when my dog was cuddling with me on the couch. That's that can be a separate one. Um, So small. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I wanted to bring up this. uh, I had watched the Mr. Rogers uh, movie, which if you haven't seen it is an amazing movie. It's like one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. And I thought it was really interesting in, in, um, the movie, um, Tom Hanks, who's playing Mr. Rogers and is with the, the reporter and they're at a restaurant and he asked the guy to, can we take a minute, um, to really think about those who, love us and who have brought us here and in a way i mean it's it is that gratitude Mm -hmm. yeah you know in in um the meditation center where i lived for a number of years we um what what we said either aloud once a day one person would recite it for all of us or we just recited silently before each meal was 
This food is the gift of the whole universe, the earth, the sky, numerous living beings, and much hard and loving work. So that's something we can do one meal a day or three meals a day is just to take a moment and look into all the conditions that came together. The universe is is offering us this food, the food that we need. And who else is there? Obviously the farmer and all the work of the people who tended to the food. And um, if it's a fruit, you know, picked the fruit, Mm. the trucker, the, um, the cashier, who sold you the fruit, yourself for bringing it home. You can acknowledge yourself for going and getting yourself some nice fresh fruit to eat. And I think that's interesting because really what you're being grateful for is the community yeah. of people that are here to support you. Yes, and and it helps dissolve that illusion that we're isolated and alone and separate mm. because yeah. we never are. Um. So if that's if this is a good time, I'd like to share a poem um, by the yeah, by the definitely. teacher from the meditation center. That's the venerable Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh, is very um, renowned founding teacher in the West on mindfulness. <clears throat> He's also a very gifted poet, and this is his poem called "The Good News." They don't publish the good news. The good news is published by us. We have a special edition every moment, and we need you to read it. The good news is that you are alive, and the linden tree is still there, standing firm in the harsh winter. The good news is that you have wonderful eyes to touch the blue sky. The good news is that your child is there before you and your arms are available. Hugging is possible. Mm -hmm. They only print what is wrong. Look at each of our special editions. We always offer the things that are not wrong. We want you to benefit from them and help protect them. The dandelion is there by the sidewalk smiling its wondrous smile, singing the song of eternity. Listen. You have ears that can hear it. Bow your head. Listen to it. Leave behind the world of sorrow and preoccupation and get free. The latest good news is that you can do it. That's wonderful. So that's all we have for today. Thank you very much for listening. For more information, go to our website at thewaytowellbeing.com or for more information on Barbara and how she could assist you in furthering your mindfulness activities, visit her website at barbaranewell.com. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a wonderful day.